Okay guys, I'm sorry to interrupt you guys. I love that there's laughing and great conversations. We will be having a pizza party at some later date. Um, so I'm just getting a head start and finding out what everybody likes. So my name is Crystal. Um, I have the pleasure of leading Women's Life in Bedford and New London. Um, and I love it. I love to get to know you guys. And I wanted to share a little piece of my story with you because it's, um, I always say I've had like nine lives. And some of them I'm like, what? It seems like it's so far away with somebody else. But one of the ones is, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Elizabeth Elliot or the movie The End of the Sphere, but it's basically a story about missionaries who went to this small Indian tribe in the middle of a forest, and they were all, um, it was back in the 80s, I think, and they all were killed by the Indians they went to visit. My parents, actually, were with New Tribes Mission, which is a mission organization that reached out to Stone Age tribes, similar situations. So I grew up the first four years of my life, um, from two to six, when, um, in the jungles of Bolivia, in the Amazon basin. And my parents were reaching out to a Stone Age tribe called the Yuki. And the Yuki shot with bows and arrows. They killed all of their food with this giant bow and arrow. And I wish I had a picture to show you guys, but the arrows are probably eight feet tall. My dad has one at the house. And it's a crazy, like, I look at it and I'm like, how, first of all, how do you shoot that thing in a forest? Second of all, like, how do you find, like, how do you kill, like, wild boars and birds? And you have to be so skilled at shooting a bow and arrow to get anything with those. Um, so we are going to be talking about, you guys see on your books, you have arrows. And I want to talk a little bit about what an arrow does, because there's lots of parts to an arrow. And one of those is um, a feather. And if you're thinking, like, what does an arrow have to do with emotions, or what do feathers have to do with emotions? When I was thinking about this talk and this teach, I was like, you know, to me, emotions visually often feel like feathers. Like, they come, and then a wind comes up and blows them around, and they just kind of flutter everywhere. There's not a lot of direction to them. But on an arrow, there's that long piece of wood, and with the feather on it, the feather gives direction, and the wood gives stability, and all of a sudden, the feather is flying through the air, and it's going where it's intended to go. So I think about, like, you know, the Yuki Indians shooting their food and hunting in the forest, and what would happen if they tried to fish, because they would also just, like, shoot into the water and the rivers and get fish. What would happen if you tried to fish with a feather? Like, nothing, right? Or what would happen if you tried to throw a feather up into the air to catch a bird that's flying? Nothing would happen. Feathers are beautiful, and feathers give direction to an arrow, but they're nothing without the stability and the grounding. And so our emotions often feel like they're feathers to me, that they're just kind of, they come, they walk in and out, storms blow them around. But like a feather, emotions are not meant to fly on their own. So... I've heard a lot of things about emotions over the years. Being women, we get told a lot of things about our emotions. We think a lot of things about our emotions. And um, I don't know, all kinds of things affect us as well. So what if the line in the Starbucks is too long? Does that annoy anybody else? Go to Joe Beans. That's a good point. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, Shauna. I heard it in that direction. Um, but what, what other things can happen that affect our emotions? What about positive things? Maybe someone you admire and respect gives you encouragement. How does that feel? That feels good, right? Maybe there's the opposite thing um, that happens where someone that you love and respect gives you some feedback and maybe it's not so positive and that can sting a little bit. 
I feel like if you look at any self-help quote or movie or any social media, people will tell you to follow your heart. And when they say heart, they mean your emotions. I have a confession. I watch the Bachelor series, Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise. I think it's a social experiment gone terribly wrong, but very funny. (laughs) And everyone on that, everyone on that show, and I think it's something the world says a lot, says to follow your heart, follow your heart. But our hearts are like those feathers in a storm. They change quickly, they change often. And if you follow your feelings, there's not a lot of direction to a feather and there's not a lot of direction to our heart. I feel like with emotions, and this is on your your notes, there are two kinds of people. There are the reactors and the responders. And with our emotions, we're going to either take them and respond to them in a logical way, or we're going to take them and we're going to react to them in a very emotional, passionate way. And most of us kind of fall onto one or the other of these. Let me ask a question. How many of you guys have ever had an emotional response to something? How many of us, keep those hands up. Come on, guys, we've got to own it. How many of us have had that emotional response go positively? Okay, okay, there's a few. That's good. That's good. For me, most of the time, because I'm a very logical person, I'm not a very emotional person, I tend to be a responder. when I'm actually very emotional, it's usually because I'm angry, and so that never goes well for me, to be honest. <laughs> um, so there, there are two of us, and here's what I want. Here's what I want to point out. You see, it's on a line, and there's this triangle right here, and this triangle is what's called the fulcrum. And we're gonna we're gonna talk tonight about emotions being a healthy part of being a human being, but I feel like our emotions is on on this kind of um, place here, this spectrum between reaction and responding, this is gonna move a lot. It's a point of balance. So if you guys see my little like made up thing right here, my finger is a fulcrum, and if I move it to one side, the pen's gonna fall off. And if I move it to the other side, the pen's gonna fall off. But if I balance it kind of in the middle-ish, somewhere, somewhere, it balances, sort of. <laughs> so what we want to do, what we want to point towards with Christian women is this balance kind of in the middle that our emotions are meant to guide the way that a feather guides an arrow, but they're not meant to be the point because our balance is gonna fall off on one side or the other. There's a scripture on your notes and it says that, so God created man in his own image and the image of God he created them, male and female he created them in Genesis. And honestly, I've been hearing a lot of talks and a lot of sermons and just thinking a lot, and it seems like everything kind of always goes back to Genesis, doesn't it? And I kind of hate it because I'm over the story of Adam and Eve, if I'm being honest with you guys. It's something we grow up with, it's something that we learn from in church from an early age. But gosh, you guys, everything started in Genesis, and that kind of is a springboard for everything that we're experiencing now. So we were created in God's image, and that's your next fill in the blank. We were created in God's image. And here are my questions. As human beings, as we're created in his image to be like him, is it wrong to be emotional? Are emotions necessary? Are they good? Are they bad? Are they both? How do you have healthy emotions when your heart is broken and you have a hard, bad day? How do you have emotions that you're supposed to fix with medication 
or you're supposed to kind of will yourself out of because people will give you all kinds of advice about your emotions. What does God say about our emotions? Does he even care? So let me pray again, and then we're going to really dig in and dive in. God, um, I believe that this study is your heart for us, that there's stuff in here in your word to learn and to apply. God, my prayer would be that we wouldn't just hear your word, but we would do what it says. And so as we're digging into it tonight, God, will you help us to apply what your word says about who you are and who we are in our emotions. In your name, amen. So you guys have a list of scripture on your notes, and I'm going to give you some homework immediately right now at your tables. I'm going to invite you guys to read those scriptures and just write what you see that it says about God right next to it. And I'm going to give us, it's 730, I'm going to give us about eight minutes. So go ahead. guys, I'm going to bring us back in. What did you guys see about who God is? What about John 3.16? This is love. Yes, it's not a hard one. (laughs) That's good. What about Exodus 33.19? Compassion and mercy. Yep. What about Psalm 11.5? Just. And he hates evil. What? You guys, does it like blow your mind a little bit that God hates? Yeah, yeah right? Mm hmm. What about Isaiah 63 10? What is it? Justice. Both of them were in there. Yep. Um, what about, I feel like Isaiah 65 and Zephaniah were kind of similar. What did you guys see in there? Mm-hmm. Joy. Yep. Delight. Did you see in Zephaniah that God sings songs about us? Isn't that great? Yeah. Does it make you feel a little special, you guys, that God has a song that he sings about you? Isn't that amazing? He sings over us. Yep. Okay, so our next fill in the blank is that God is emotional, so we are emotional. I hate, you guys, I hate cold weather. I like the fall okay, but I hate the winter. And um, we just were in Miami last week for my friend Ashley's bachelorette party. And I love that city. I could live there all year round. Um, But but I don't know. I have a conflicted life because I also like fuzzy socks and I like big blankets. So in my house, my air is always on 60. What? Wow. That's a lot of judgment, you guys. Calm down. <laughs> so, so for me, yes, 60. So for me, guys, I'm a very sensory person. I like to be warm, but I also like to be cold. I have very extreme feelings. Our nervous system in our body will tell us if we're hot or we're cold. How do we know that we're hot? Because we can feel it, right? Our nervous system tells us if we're in pain. It tells us if we've broken our arm. It tells us, you know, if we're sick. We feel things through our nervous system. And I want you guys to know this. Our emotions are meant to be our nervous system for our soul. They're meant to tell us how our soul is doing. So when you think about why God is emotional and why he then gave us emotions as well, it's not because emotions are bad. It's not wrong to be emotional. 
On this scale right here, even though I'm a more logical person, I have dear friends who are reactors. They're super emotional. There's nothing wrong with that. There's also some negatives about being very logical. God made us with emotions, and they're meant to tell us how we're doing on the inside. It's our spiritual mirror. So here's where we get lost, I think, a lot of the time, you guys. A lot of us, when we get upset, when we get hurt, or we get angry, we stay in the emotion. The process stops there in just the feeling. The hurt and the anger take over, and I get that visual again of a feather just kind of spinning in the wind and being blown everywhere. Our emotions were never meant to control us. They were never meant to be the driver in the seat of the car. Our emotions are meant to inform us. You know, the same thing is true about pushing something that I feel deep down inside and not acknowledging it. In the same way that it's wrong to sit in the hurt and anger and never move forward with it, it's also wrong to push it down and never acknowledge it. What if I had a broken arm and I just pretended like my arm wasn't broken? That's not super healthy. And eventually my arm's gonna fall off or I'm gonna have to get it amputated because there's like gangrene and issues going on, right? There's nothing healthy about not acknowledging emotion. So I want to, on your notes, there's a little diagram, and I want to fill this in for you guys, and I want to walk it through, because I think this is a super helpful way to understand emotions. <clears throat> Emotion is where everything kind of starts with us, and it informs our thoughts. And then our thoughts create our behavior. And then our behavior can reinforce our feelings. So what does this cycle look like in a negative way? It could look like um, if Sarah hurts my feelings, okay? What am I feeling? I'm feeling hurt. Then that hurt turns into a thought, Sarah doesn't like me. And then in that thought that Sarah doesn't like me, I start to like give her the cold shoulder and I don't talk to her anymore. And then because I don't talk to her anymore, I still continue to feed that hurt. And that hurt turns into something more like bitterness. Does that make sense? So in this cycle, what we feel informs what we think and then what we think informs our behavior. And our behavior, this is really important, will reinforce what we feel. So where in this cycle can we um, interrupt it in a negative cycle? Where do we interrupt it? Where do we interrupt the negativity here? Before it gets to thoughts, exactly. There's scripture that says, take every thought captive. Why? Because of this. When scripture says, and scripture is always right, when scripture says, take every thought captive, it's because of this cycle, the way that we're created. We want to be more like Jesus, but we have to start here and not down here. There's a scripture in Romans, Romans 7, it's on your notes, and it says, for what I am doing, I do not understand. This is Paul talking. He says, I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing that I hate. And I love the Bible because it's so honest. And guys, it's okay to say that we are not perfect and we don't have it together and that our emotional life needs help. It's okay to say that, and I would even say it's important to say that if that's true. Because if this stuff isn't healthy, then the rest of your life is not gonna be healthy. What does this look like in a positive way? 
in a positive light. I'm going to use the same example I just used with Sarah. Sarah hurts my feelings. But I take that hurt captive. And what does scripture say about my hurt? It says to, <laughs> to go to my sister. So I say, hey, Sarah, you told me that you don't like my sweater or that this isn't your favorite color blue. That hurt my feelings. Did you mean to do that? Maybe she didn't. So it's important to take that thought captive and clarify what's happening here. And says, she says, no, I didn't mean to do that. I just wasn't thinking when I said that. That blue is like a negative memory from my childhood, and you wearing it just triggered me. And then we have like this honest conversation, we'll work it out later. But all of a sudden, my emotion no longer is hurt. Now we have understanding and connection between us. So my thoughts towards Sarah is that now I understand that she's got a hurt from her childhood, and I can connect with her on that. I can pray for her in that. Our friendship is stronger. And here, the emotion has changed. I'm not hurt anymore. Now I love her more. Does that make sense? There's always a thing behind the thing. Um, We went to a catalyst several, several years ago. And maybe you guys know who Brene Brown is. If you don't, she's a researcher who does a lot of work on um, emotional intelligence and things like that. And she was talking about how she always says, like, I ask questions because we are meant to live our lives through the lens of story. And we're always telling, we're always trying to understand what's happening to us. So our brains are always telling us stories. And so she said, you know, with a coworker, if they give you a dirty look, your brain is immediately going to tell you a story about that dirty look. Oh, that person hates me. Or that person, you know, actually, I can bring this real close and personal, guys. People always think I hate them for real because I have a resting, angry face. Like, (laughs) always, always. I will be walking down the street thinking about lunch or thinking about, like, the movie I just saw, and I will pass somebody that I know very casually, and I will somehow give them a dirty look or I'll look angry, and they they will think that I don't like them, and this is a constant thing in my life that I have to tell people, I love you. <laughs> I have nothing but positive feelings towards you, but my face does not reflect that. <laughs> <So> <laughs> it's really important, guys, for us, because those friends of mine who have in their head created a story about the way that my face looks. Honestly, this happens all the time. So we do that. We, we create stories. So she says this is what she does. She writes what she calls the sucky first draft. And it's not, she doesn't use the word sucky, but I'm, we're in church, so... Um, (laughs) she says she writes a first draft of what she is thinking so um, like let's say that um, Tiff walks by me and she doesn't say hi one morning and that hurts my feelings my immediate first draft is Tiffany is angry at me for some reason so you can write that down you can say this is my first draft but then you take that first draft and you start to ask a question to the situation involved then I can go back to Tiffany and I can say hey Tiff are you upset with me? Because when we passed this morning in the hall, you didn't speak. And she said, oh my gosh, I was just totally zoning out thinking about a work problem I have. You guys, most of the situations we get emotionally worked up and angry about are things that are actually probably not what we first thought they were. And it's important to dig deeper. And it's important as Christ followers to take those thoughts captive and ask the questions to bear with each other in love and start to change our thoughts and our behavior. There's another scripture out of Romans. Right after chapter 7 and chapter 8, Paul says this. "Um, In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. 
For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We will struggle in this cycle because we're human beings, but we will not be conquered by this cycle because we're women who belong to Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage us tonight, you guys. Um, the word conquerors in Greek is a long word. It starts with the letter H. I'm not going to try it. <laughs> but it means not just conqueror, but exceeding conqueror, like a super conqueror, with a surpassing victory. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes in my life, I have not felt like a super conqueror in my emotions. Sometimes in my life, my emotions have ruled what I've chosen to do or not do. Not in a reactive way, because I'm not a reactor, but in the stuff it down kind of way. And I've been afraid of my emotions and afraid to express them. And being vulnerable is where I'm learning to let Jesus have control over my life. When God is in control, when he's the driver of our emotions, the fulcrum is in perfect balance. Our lives are in perfect balance. He's the arrow. And if we let him drive where our emotions go, we hit the target we're supposed to hit with them. Our lives don't get out of control. So your next fill-in-the-blank is that God created emotions as a gauge, not a guide. And then the next one says, used wrongly, emotions lead to slavery. Slavery? Mm -hmm. Used wrongly, our emotions lead to slavery. When we allow that feather that's blown around to be the thing that drives our lives, when we allow this hurt right here to become a negative cycle that goes from one negative place to another, that's the thing that will drive and control. And it's never meant to. Our emotions were never meant to be the, the idol, the thing above God. When emotions are used appropriately, when they're surrendered to Jesus, they lead us into deeper connection with each other. And not just connection with each other, but connection to ourselves. For the, if some of you guys are like me and you're a stuffer of your emotions, that can often be a place where you don't even know what you're feeling or what you're thinking about something. There have been times in my life that were really difficult where I had to stop and unpack my emotions. There's one time in particular I remember um, my friend Melissa, her daughter passed away when she was two years old. And I used to be a photographer. I did that for a living for 10 years. And they asked me to photograph the funeral. Um, and that was one of the most emotionally difficult things I've ever done, um, to photograph the funeral of a two-year-old baby girl. And I had to shut my emotions off in order to do that. So after the funeral, I was like, I feel nothing. I feel numb. Like, I, I went to Dave Koontz, and I was like, I am not okay. I need some time. So he gave me some time off, and I went away for a couple of days to the beach, and I just sat with Jesus and let him unpack my heart and let me grieve what had happened. And that was important, you guys. If I was in an unhealthy place, I wouldn't have even cared that I didn't feel. I'd been like, this is great. Moving on. But it's important to feel pain when it's important when it's appropriate to feel pain. Remember, you don't want to walk around with a broken arm. It's important to treat the things in your soul that have been hurt.
And that can lead us again into connection. So connecting with myself in that moment was important. And then connecting to God through what was happening. So there's three ways we can connect, you guys. Emotions connect us. Emotions connect us to God, to ourselves, and to each other. So here's your question for tonight as we wrap up the teach. I'm going to give us about 20 minutes, 25 minutes to answer it. The question is, where, where are you? There's two questions. The question is, where are you on the, the scale of emotion? Are you a reactor? Are you a responder? How do you normally react? And then the second question is, what's your next step as we're processing emotions and we're thinking about how we handle things together? What's your next step or is there a next step that you think that God is asking you to do as you walk this out? So go ahead and discuss at your tables. I'll come back up in a little bit.